When you think about West Virginia University's most well-known coaches, there's one name you can't ignore. Coach Nikki Izzo-Brown. Women's head soccer coach Nikki Izzo-Brown. And Nikki Izzo-Brown. Nikki Izzo-Brown was the first coach the school hired when the program started back in 1995, and she's been the only head coach in the program's 27-year lifetime. And the West Virginia Mountaineers are going to the national championship. Yeah, she's built the program from scratch, and now year in and year out, the Mountaineers are title contenders. She's already won 18 conference crowns and led the 2016 team to the national championship. And today we discuss her legacy, what it means to see her players succeed even after graduating, how name, image, and likeness has changed the college landscape and a lot more. Also, tickets for the Almost Heaven Classic are available right now at mountaineermedia.org. Our Friday night networking event is lining up to be the West Virginia version of South by Southwest. Plus, on Saturday, we still have golf packages available, so jump on it right now while you can, June 9th and 10th at Canaan Valley Resort. You won't want to miss it. All right, so let's get to this week's episode with Nikki Izzo-Brown. Mace, hit the music. The uh, sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. CJ Harvey here, Cooper Zimmerman with me as always. And then we have uh, one of the the most well-known coaches in the entire state of West Virginia. She was a part of the team that was a national runner-up back in 2016. She's seen players play at the World Cup level, and she's been in West Virginia for going into her 28th season as the head coach of the Mountaineers program. Um, I hope that she would agree that she is going to be a West Virginian for life, or maybe she would at least consider herself a West Virginian after being here for so long and, and uh, having such an impact. But good morning, Coach Nikki Izzo Brown from uh, the West Virginia women's soccer team. How are you? Good, CJ. Thanks for having me this morning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so you and Tony Carey are both from New York, but are both of you West Virginians for life? Is that like a, have you agreed? Do you talk about that? Or are you guys like, oh, we're still New Yorkers at heart? Well, we, I I was just bragging on the Buffalo Bills, so <laughs> but the the Steelers now are my my second favorite team, so I guess it's it's getting in the blood, um, you know, with us being West Virginians. But I I think that uh, shoot, I've been here twenty nine years, so it's twenty seven coaching years, so it's mm-hmm. it's it's getting up there where you know three of my kids were born in West Virginia, so I I, I would imagine I have to and want to claim that. Yeah. Your story, like others, did you know anything when you took this job about West Virginia? Had you been here before? Had you had any connections or was your first thought like, I'll be here for two, three seasons and then I'll be off to whatever the next step is? Yeah. um, Ironically, right out of college, I became a graduate assistant at Wesleyan. So I wanted to get my MBA and uh, never thought I could even make a living coaching. You know, back um, in 95, Title IX was popping up. Uh, women's soccer programs here and there. And, you know, I had some success down at Wesleyan and, and West Virginia came calling and, and my, I, you know, I talked to my parents about it and they're like, can you even make a living coaching? Cause I thought I would just be, you know, a graduate assistant. And yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's been a really interesting journey. And, um, you know, I always tell my athletes, passion is your power. And sometimes, you know, you have to follow your passion and then it will be become your power. So, 
in a nutshell, I had no idea 27 years, 29 years later, I'd still be in the state of West Virginia coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this too, because the nineties was such an interesting time for women's soccer, right? You get the, you, you start your roots going in, in 95 and then in 99 is the women's world cup. The USA has this, the, the, the one of the most memorable moments in American sports history, world sports history. I mean, what a time to be in women's soccer, right? That, that would have, I mean, that's incredible, incredible time. Yeah. It's uh, I always tell this story when I was uh, being recruited or, or, you know, in that time frame. There were like 74 Division One, Two, and Three. So I always said to my mom, why couldn't you have me later? You know, I could have gone here, there. And she's like, yeah, but look at the opportunity you had as a career. So when the 99ers came, um, they definitely put us on a media map, um, at a global map, and a national map. You know, they sold out, what, the Rose Bowl? And mm-hmm. you know, it was it was an incredible opportunity for women's sport, let alone women's soccer. So I, I think... With that popularity, uh, you know, now the game has evolved um, mm-hmm. to to such an incredible uh, sport. Nikki, let me ask you this. So I, I, we've had a few coaches on here, and I always like to ask this question is that, like, yes, like the sport of question, basketball, soccer, football, it's, a, you know, it, it's the objective is to win games, is to, you know, compete against something, you know, another, another team, the self-development aspect of it, like winning, all of that. But a Apart from that, like remove soccer from the equation from a coach perspective, you know, you get these kids when they're 17, 18 years old and when they leave, you know, they come in as children at that point, right? They they just got out of high school. They're coming into the new world. They're trying to figure themselves out and they often leave, you know, college as adults, right? They, They formed opinions. They've done that. What maybe like how seriously do you take that role as a mentor in their life as a you know, as a, a shaper of these young professionals off outside of the soccer aspect of it, just building character and, you know, transform, I guess, transforming them into, you know, leaders of the, of the next generation outside of the sport. Yeah. It, this is going to say, sound pretty morbid, but on my grave, I don't want how many, you know, I don't want whatever, where are we at now? 18 championships. I want, I want as many weddings as I've been invited to. So What's important to me is the relationships and, um, you know, like you said, you know, character development on and off the field, planting the seed for leadership and just making sure that um, I'm impacting their lives in the most positive way I can. And if you're a recruit right now, I I want you guys to be the best version of yourself. Um, If that means being the best student, being the best athlete, being the best daughter, um, you know, that, that's what I'm hoping for, you know, it's, I've been in this leadership role impacting at a high level, I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think with this types of experience, um, you know, I have some, you know, some pathways to success. So my hope is that we are giving these, uh, tools for these women to be successful. If it's like you mentioned, playing in a world cup, or, you know, behind the scenes, um, doing whatever profession or in front of the scenes, whatever profession uh, path they choose. What is the secret? I mean, you don't go, it's not an overnight thing. It's in 95, you're, you're, you're getting your career started. You probably weren't thinking on my grave. I want to be, I want how many weddings I've been invited to. Maybe that's your thought now, but how, how does it get to the point where you are less of a coach, more of a role model, but a better coach because you're a better role model, if that makes sense? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, again, I, I tell my 95ers, I'm like, oh, I was so bad back then. Yeah. You know? Um, But my, <laughs> my approach 
was the same. I cared, right? So they knew I cared, and and I think my craft wasn't as mastered as experience. I'm still learning. I'm always learning. I'm always evolving. I'm trying to stay relevant. I've been through three generations, you know, of of kids and. Um, but what what's important is so I come from this big Italian family, and it's very dysfunctional, just like every family, in in a good way. Yeah. Uh, we we loved hard. We fought hard because we cared. And I, and I thought if, if I came here and I started in a program and I could have um, that type of atmosphere that these kids knew, no matter what, we're going to get through, we're going to work through it, we're going to communicate because this is going to be, you're going to be part of something bigger than what you've ever been part of uh, besides your family. Uh, that That's the environment I wanted to create because that's what I knew. Um, so with that being said, it, it's 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 always the same, but it's different because my message is the same, but I have to deliver it different. Um, and I've gotten better, of course, with the experience that I've had. Yeah, I like to hear your opinion too, Nikki. Alon. like you said, you started in the early '90s, right? That's that's like largely before the internet, right? So nil, you know, image deals, like you know, marketing. These things were, you know, not at the forefront. I think of most people's thoughts, right? We at least the forms we know them in today. You know, and as we go through the 90s, early 2000s, and now, of course, 2023, I mean, like, you know, a soccer program's Instagram page is a big deal because that showcases the brand, that showcases getting recruits, like that showcases in the player themselves now with student athletes having the ability to have deals and using their image for future success. Like, how is that good, bad? How have you, like, gotten your hands around that? Do you feel like you've embraced it well or are there still things that you're learning on how to coach in that in that type of world over time? Yeah, I my whole world is about communication and compromise. Like it has to be, um, you know, and country roads trust is a great opportunity for my athletes and for all our athletes here. You know, it's, um, we have to stay focused on, on developing and then making sure, uh, whoever wants that additional opportunity gets it. I'm all in, I'm all in. And I, and I said this, you know, the country roads trust, you know, and I'm plugging them because uh, if anybody wants to give to women's soccer and to my athletes, I, I love that opportunity because they are working hard and and want those opportunities. But who of us would not take? And I said this: this Rolex came to me and said, "Hey, Nikki, you want a Rolex?" So I said, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, I don't want a Rolex. Um, but we also have to know that we have responsibility and commitment to um, to the program, to your education. Uh, to your development. So that that's kind of the forefront. Any athlete that I have an open door policy, they'll come in and they'll say, hey, coach, I, I want to do this, this or that. And I'll say, okay, we're going to get there. Your your way to get there might um, not be the way that direct line that you want to get there, but we're going to work to get, get to that end result. So it's very important that I understand what's important to the athlete because 27 years ago, that's changed. Um, we, you know, when I played, I was just thankful they came out with a woman's line uh, for a uniform. I was wearing a man's jersey, and it was like down <laughs> my wrist. A little too long. <laughs> yeah, a little too long, little too big. Had to roll it up a little, but um, you know, now it's it's an incredible opportunity, and I know it's hard for a lot of people to wrap themselves around. Um, you know, they're getting their education paid for. You know, all these things, but um, again. It is what it is, and it's a great opportunity uh, for these athletes and and what they bring to us in sport. So 
Yeah. Uh, it's it's me learning from them. And, you know, like all of us, hey, something's wrong with my phone. Can you help me? Well, you know, they're so good at that. So um, see how that can intertwine with what we're trying to do in the program. Yeah. I think, I mean, in the answer to what you said, the key word is learning. I think we're all, and I'm, we, I'm not like a coach. I don't have anything in this, but like, but like, you know, I'm a, like, I'm a golf nerd, for example. And I often, when I see PGA tour players, when they emerge, that some players make the mistake of getting obsessed with like the brand deals and this, and like, then they forget that, Oh, wait a second. What made, what got me here was six hours on the range on at 5 AM to 11 AM before I went and practiced. And like that, that happens in golf. People get too caught up in that. So I, I imagine student athletes are just going to have to go through that normal transformation of, Hey, yeah, these attractive deals are out there, but you know, what still makes those deals possible is putting in the work, being a good teammate, playing, you know, performing at my best. So I think to your point, I think we're all just probably going to players programs are just going to have to navigate the new norm and do the best they can. But if they have those grounding principles, I think they'll come out on the right side of it. Yeah, Cooper, you're you're right. And I and I always talk to the girls. I'm like, we have glass balls and we have rubber balls. Sometimes the rubber balls can fall, but those glass balls aren't. But again, I hear you. I want to listen. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll go from there. But there there's there's foundation that won't ever change here. Um, it might look different, but you know, those are those are non compromising uh things that we we can't, you know, we can't ne- neglect. Um, but again, you know, it's this instant gratification, this opportunity to find information quickly. Sometimes it's sending the, the, the wrong, um, information because there is a process to success mm-hmm. and we all know what that is and it's, it's hard work, but working smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't get, uh, 18 championships without, uh, working through yeah. right struggles. Yeah. Let me c- continue to talk about the NIL stuff. One of the issues that's really coming up now, and it was brought to light when the NCAA agreed to, you know, some of the NIL stuff about the disparity of, yet again, women's athletes and branding and male athletes and branding. Do you think that in this current day that the female athlete is almost once again getting left behind because they aren't getting maybe some of the NIL deals that they should be? Or, you know, is that where the Country Roads Trust is actively working saying, you know, part of their mission is to give equal opportunity to those athletes who can earn some branding. I don't want to put you in a tough spot, but do you think that once again, these female athletes are kind of put in an awkward position? I, I think, I think this, I think that, yeah, I, I, I remember back in the day in the big East, cause I was here during the big East and mm-hmm. women's basketball would get TVs from the big East. So they would get these TVs as gifts women's soccer might have gotten a sweatshirt yeah you know my team was like coach you know they, they're going tvs they're getting tvs and <laughs> we're getting sweatshirts and i was always like how great is it that they're getting tvs though so that's what we have to look at so we have to look at the opportunities that maybe the male athlete is getting and then just keep um you know working towards our success that maybe we're going to get the tv someday and and to be honest with you, you know, I never get caught up in, um, you know, like you said, well, yes, the the male athletes getting this and the female athletes getting that, you know, there's the reality that football, um, you know, is, is making um, the athletic department run. And, you know, that's the reality of it. And life's not fair. 
Um, nobody ever said it was. And, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we can only control what we can control. And, and I'm excited that football players are getting those opportunities. And my hope is in, in my lifetime, uh, women's soccer players will. And there has been, you know, some women's soccer players that are getting deals with Nike. It's not as, it's the 1%, but, you know, again, I'm going to look to the positive and, you know, continue to work towards, you know, how do we get there and winning hopefully championships and playing in world cups and things of that nature, being professional athletes will help do that. And it's not like West Virginia is being left out of the conversation at all. I mean, you've had, you know, dozens of all Americans, Khadija Buchanan, Ashley Lawrence playing in the world cup. I mean, they have certainly seen their fair share of branding. I would hope, um, post collegiate oh, yeah. career, but you know, it's not like West Virginia because of the program that you have established is missing out on any opportunities and women's soccer, at least from my perspective. No, I mean, Keisha right now is the highest paid center back in the world. <laughs> there you go. That's I mean, yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, she's mastered her craft and the, the people and the opportunity and the environment here has allowed her to do that. And now she's taken that, you know, that and, and ran with it. Now is with Chelsea and, and doing things at the highest level. So, and, and Ashley at PSG and, you know, you're going to see a Bianca and Esther Mayaki, uh, Michaela Bam and the next World Cup. And, you know, that's six of the athletes here. So we're pretty proud of them. Has soccer insane? <laughs> it is. It is. It's pretty crazy. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. No, it is. Um, well, so we'll plug ourselves here. Nick, you bear with us. This is me and CJ. We played soccer in high school. We played for Catholic <laughs> High School. We played for Capitol High School in Charleston. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were always... You know, we weren't the technically sound. Don't beat around we were tough here. We, we were, we were no, we were tough team. <laughs> like, we were tough. We were, we were not technically savvy, but we were tough players. We had a chip on our shoulder, and it made us tough. My question in that, not to just bring about my high school glory days of playing soccer, is how have you maybe seen? Um, has the play changed for people listening that are kind of like like uh, you know soccer nerds? Like, has the play changed over the years? Have you noticed any different? Oh, yeah. Aspects well, of it, like what what is like now versus like when you started in like literal play and strategy and formatting and that kind of stuff. How's that evolved? Oh yeah, I mean, well, first and foremost, the athlete has changed. I mean, you know, everything is bigger, stronger, faster, quicker, and and that has been the resources available for our athletes to get into a weight room. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, grassroots level. You know, like when you guys probably played. You, you know, you didn't have the youth soccer happening. And in the state of West Virginia, you know, we're so young still with soccer. But the coaching at the youth level is um, is more experienced now, you know, sometimes even better. But, you know, they're exposed to specialization at a young age, which is good and bad. Um, but, you know, it's definitely evolved. And, and then the technology piece, um, you know, that's something where I've had to evolve with you know, tracking athletes, intense movements, you know, all, all those things or, um, you know, individual performance and recovery. So there's there's so much from video analysis to um, technology that has just allowed the game to just blow up. Yeah. We graduated with Michelle Newhouse, who spent oh, some time nice. in your program yeah. and and uh, she was she was yeah. awesome. Uh, we we laughed back then because sometimes you can just tell who's a D1 athlete and who's not. And we were like, she is better than anybody on the boys, girls, any other program, any other team. You could just tell sometimes the people that are the D1 athletes and certainly was for her, was for the case. Um, when you, you know, 
look at the things that you guys have been able to accomplish, you know, Big East, Big 12, does it, you know, what, what's been the, how has that transition gone? And, and what do you recruit these kids and say like, look, you're going to have a chance to win a champion, a conference championship every single year that you're here. How does that recruiting pitch kind of go? Yeah, it's um, a lot of why kids commit to West Virginia has been to win a conference championship. So that pressure is a privilege, you know, so I know like even, for example, Gabby Robinson, our newest professional uh, who just got drafted to KC Current, Mm -hmm. came here to win a championship and to experience that, but also to develop as a professional. So um, a lot of times I'll have these, even though today I, 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 I railed them off all the accomplishments here. Sometimes I forget them and it's bad because I'll be like, wait, are we at 17 or 18? And that's, yeah, and that's yeah. very, that's very humble. And that's the old lady <laughs> talking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think with that hardware, I've already done it. So with recruits, it's not like back in 95, Hey, this is the plan. Um, now it's like, okay, come plug in and help us win the next one. Cause this is, this is the plan. So a lot of times um, it's just really easy for me to say, here's the blueprint, but you have to work your talent. Yeah. Going, is it, uh, uh, kind of going off a point that you had made from Cooper's last question about the technology that's changed a little bit, you know, how, how different is it now that you do, you're, you're looking for like, um, you know, you can track athletes heart rates and practice and like this, the max speed that they're going at, you know, how has that evolved over time and, and how has that kind of changed the the tactics that you use in a game to game basis? Yeah. I mean, well, first and foremost, every position has different movements. So mm-hmm. like if you're a central player, you have to have the ability to do these things. If you're a wide player, you have to have the ability to do this. If you're an outside back, you know, you're running six to eight miles if I don't rotate you. So so there's a lot of training uh, specifically, so preparation um, and, and specific stuff, then individual stuff too. So like if myself, you, and Cooper are all on a line, all of us have to run differently. I might have to go um, 12 seconds. You might have to go 10 um, and, and then maybe eight. So it gets very individualized because our body is science um, where back in 95, everybody line up. Okay, yep. everyone's got to get it in. Get on the line. Yeah, get on the line. You know, everybody's got to get it in 12 seconds. So now Lord, yeah. I would probably say to Cooper, dude, you got to move your talent and you got to get it in five because <laughs> we have recognized that you have the ability to do that. And I'm doing you a disservice if I don't push you to that level. Yeah, it's more, it's more precise. Yeah, everything's at the margin now and it used to be a little bit more blunt for us. It does, I mean, this might be a little bit odd, but this personality factor in, like does someone come into the program like, you got to imagine a girl, she was on the soccer team in high school. She was the hot shot forward. She was scoring 20 goals a season. She comes to view. She's like, oh shit, like this is a different league. Maybe my role is actually in the midfield. Like, how, like, is it like, do you see that transformation kind of, is that like a process you work through with like, like their personality? Maybe they're more of a defensive person. Maybe they're more of like an attack, 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 attack person. Like how much does that factor into where they end up on the field position wise? Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely, uh, like you said, there. I think there's at the next level, right? So you could come to West Virginia and you could be the best striker from your high school team or your club team. But if you want to make the national team, you might have to turn into an outside back right. um, or a different position. So a lot of times 
you know, their goals. For example, Jordan and Brewster, we recruited Jordan and, and she's going to sign, you know, I don't know. Once I get the contract, she'll be our next kid to go pro uh, international. But um, she came in, we recruited her as a goalkeeper and a wide forward, right? Out of club. That's what she played. Well, then the national team said to her, U20 said to her, hey, you can make the U20 team if you play outside back. So then she came to me as an outside back. So then I trained her as an outside back because that was her aspiration. Mm. And then I'm like, you know, Jay, you'd be a heck of a center back. Not that I know anything different. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think it also evolves, like you said, there's going to be um, tactical and technical areas that you're really good at. And then there's yeah. a, then there's a mentality. Um so I, I think all aspects and a physical piece too, um, mm. in positions, you, you might be able to be a little bit slower physically in a lot of positions, um, where you have to be fast in other. Yeah. 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 How difficult is it to tell somebody like, Hey, we, we got to shift you. If you want to play, you got to move positions or we, you, you have to reconfigure your thinking on the field. Cause it's just not working. Yeah. It's never easy. I, I think that confrontation uh, always happens when you can't meet each other's expectations. Yeah. So, you know, my whole philosophy is communication and hopefully I'm communicating it early enough. Um, and then they trust the process. You know, they trust me and, and what I'm doing um, and, and making those moves. But bad news is never easy. I don't care where you are, uh, especially as, a, as an athlete. And, you know, you have to have a little swagger to you. And you have to have a little, um, a lot of confidence to you. And sometimes that can dent it. Um, and that's never what I want to do as a coach. I, I, it's always about team first and never what's best for me. So if I can get that message across and, and really uh, communicate that well, my hope is it's an easy conversation. It, it's especially true with soccer. There's a, there's a, and there's a wonderful clip of LeBron actually like, like talking to these young basketball players about the importance and not getting beat up about being on the bench. And the reality in soccer is that there's not a tremendous amount of subs. And sometimes yeah. your, your role is, is on the bench, but you best believe that those players on the field are playing with the confidence that if I get hurt, if I get tired, if something happens, if I get a yellow, two yellows and I'm out, like that this next person is going to carry this team forward. Like, like I think that. If, if they're bought into that, they understand and are comfortable with like, hey, look, like I am still playing a role, even though I'm not getting as much PT as I want. Like that mindset, I'm sure with young kids, it maybe takes time, but I'm sure after a while when they see it, that's pretty powerful to be that gelled together as a team. Yeah, that and, and that's the hope. And I think um, once people buy in, nobody likes role play, right? Nobody likes yeah. the role to be on the bench. But again... Right. It's such an important piece. Um, you know, I would be nothing without my team. I'd be nothing without my staff. It doesn't take one individual to win a championship. So yeah. you definitely have to allow everyone to understand um, the importance of team play and team first and being a good teammate. Um, and, and then quickly defining everyone's roles. But roles can change. Like you said, injuries happen. Um, your, your development can happen different. I, I love watching... You know, anything and everything when it comes to elite players. And I just watched that Shaq special on HBO. And I mean, he couldn't even run, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, by his senior year in high school, it all kind of clicked. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I think that 
it's important to always recognize um, that kind of development and how you can work it or just when your body's ready. One when thing I want to go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. It, um, when you see, so you go ahead, Cooper. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. The, this is, um, this is the power of zoom right here. Well, mine, mine's an off the wall one as normal. I always come with this bonkers question. So I think you see this and I'm going to rip on the men actually, because I don't think I see as much in women's soccer is that the men, maybe at the highest level, the professional level, maybe not collegiate soccer. There still is this culture of an obsession with like the flopping, like in, as soccer players, that's the one thing that we get made fun of. It's like, oh, you guys flop, you sell a foul. And you still see that. You watch the World Cup. You see these people like they clearly did not get hit in their eye and they're rolling around holding their eye. From like, from your perspective as someone that's been in the sport for decades, like why is it just a part of the theatrics of the game at that level? Or like why is it that that still maybe is a part of soccer to some degree? I, you know, I can't speak to it because like you said, the women's game, you know, we don't rely on that as much. My, 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 th- I guess my best my best Please. opinion on that is that there's competitive advantages. You know, you get messy out of the game. You know, he's sitting on one yellow. He's going to play different. That's a big deal. Wow. Yeah. You know, so I I think that that could be a piece. I think obviously we all know set pieces um, where is a lot of opportunity to score goals. So I think that would be another piece that guys are are flopping um a little bit more than you'd find in the women's game um you know so i i I think those tactics you know are part of it but like you said it is it is part of their game and and how maybe they can get some players out or opportunities um you know chess to, to score you know and that's why the technology of making calls have gotten so important, especially at the the level of soccer, but especially at the World Cup, because there is a lot of that going on. VAR helped or ruining the game? Helping or ruining the game? Oh, it's so it just depends what side you're on. <laughs> Did the goal <laughs> not was it a goal or not a goal? Yeah. Was it offset or not offset? I know. I mean I I mean it's you know, I it's it's tough because you know you you know you you play the game to be fair. Um, you know, and then that's going to give you the best look to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Short and sweet. Good answer. Um, <laughs> going, touching on a, another topic that you'd kind of already mentioned about, uh, maybe some of the, the, the grassroots effort now in West Virginia of developing soccer. We have seen what you guys have been able to accomplish. We saw what Marshall men's team has been yeah. able to accomplish. Obviously Marshall, what strats is doing over for the Marshall or for the West Virginia men's team as well. You see, uh, here in Charleston for the men and the women. And now the Eastern championships are being held for the, you know, for clubs all across the Eastern seaboard. They're coming to basically Charleston to compete in this club tournament. I know that you've been there, you know, a couple of summers and and trying to see maybe you can recruit some young kids. I don't know, but th- there is more of a, 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 a welcoming feeling in West Virginia for soccer than there ever has been. And I I almost want to say that you have been a major component of that because you have had success for so long. And now it's like maybe other schools and programs have realized like this is an area that we can, if we put some money into, we can really develop and churn out some, some, you know, some winning programs. And do you think that that's why is there now this welcoming culture of soccer in West Virginia where when you started, there wasn't as much of one. Yeah. I mean, of course, um, at Marshall, that coach, you know, found his 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 groove and his way to yeah. be successful. And I and I think, in, you know, similar to Strats and 
to any good good or great coach. So I, my hope is that, um, and I, I'll start at the collegiate level, that athletic directors, um, presidents believe that uh, soccer can win championships for your university. And that's absolutely what, you know, Marshall, Marshall did and, you know, Charleston and things like that. So that, that happens with that purple pen. I always say, you know, that, that purple crayon, if, you know, if you really believe in a program and in a coach, um, then, you know, those things can happen. And then I, I believe that, you know, when, when we go out into the stadium and girls are watching, little girls are watching, you know, themselves and my athletes and they can see themselves and they can see success and they can see the the fierce um, attitudes and, and athleticism. My hope is that they're inspiring these young women, um, you know, and, and they become these young girls role models. And and I think that's so important. And, and I don't take my position lightly either being a female coach and just recognizing the fact that a little ponytail in the sand could also be a coach and and have a great career if that's what what she chooses. So I, I I do think that there is some impact of our success when young girls around the state um, are trying to be the best versions of themselves. But they can also say, well, wait a minute, my dad's taking me to a WU football game, but he's also, you know, on Saturday or Sunday going yeah. to see the women's soccer game too. So yeah. I can be on the field and and compete. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's a good lesson for parents too. I mean, that's one thing I do remember about high school sports. It felt like the most viciousness came from parents. Like, mm-hmm. and it was like, it's like, wait a second, guys, like these are children in character development, working on a common goal to develop themselves. Yes, they're playing a sport, but I think that's like, if you instill that in the players, hopefully it translates over to the parents and the fans watching it. Um, I'm sure that sometimes they can get a little bit of rowdy with folks with different opinions, but I think if we if remain the core goal of these, these are children, they're becoming adults and they're, you know, building something bigger than the game. I think the, if you take that approach, I think it works out. Well, and, and, you know, I, I, uh, I say this all the time and even to myself, you know, we, we put so much time and effort into the development and, you know, um, and when, when, even in World Cup, when they make mistakes, nobody wants to suck. Nobody wants to fail. Right. So you sometimes got to step backwards and and say to yourself, you know, again, you know, you got to be the best coach in the in uh, an athlete's worst moment. And you, you know, especially fans, you know, do you think this kid wanted to drop a pass or not make a free throw to win a game? Right. Uh, you know that, and or that, you know, the coaches didn't train that. Absolutely not. You know, we're dealing with the human element. And I think parents need to think about that, too. I mean, that this is their kid's dream and their kid's opportunity. We, we got to back off and, and, and let that be theirs and uh, mm-hmm. make sure, too, that we're doing everything to enhance uh, a great uh, experience. And that's always been my thing with camps or when I'm around athletes. Like, I just want if, if they come to a soccer camp, I just want it to be a great experience because I love it. And if they love soccer just as much great if they love basketball just as much great um but i always want any kids first um experience that i have with soccer be their best so they can make a choice if they love it or not yeah um quickly athletic director ren baker just comes in you know what 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 does he first say to you what's your first conversation with him like and and how supportive of, of he is he of this program yeah, I mean, he has recognized the success of the program. I had a meeting with him for the first time last week. I, I really loved um, our conversation and, and where he sees women's soccer in this athletic department. And 
how ambitious he is. And um, I'm super excited to be working under him. And, you know, I, I'm like, okay, it's my fourth athletic director, but, um, you know, I, I think he's got some great ideas and has a really um, interesting uh, perspective that is going to really take us far. Yeah, I love it. Well, yeah. Nikki, look, you're you're a leader. You've no doubt. I mean, think about all the thousands, hundreds of players that that have families and they go on to be professionals and they work. Like you, no doubt, have impacted tens of thousands, if not, you know, probably like to a hundred thousand. Right? I mean, a lot of people have come through your program or have been touched by it, and it's awesome to see. And we hope that you feel that and you feel that pride and and how um, how much good work that you've done. And yeah, we, we were so honored to have you come on here and share that story with us yeah well I, that's my hope that's my goal and uh every day that's what motivates me is to make sure i'm impacting and maximizing potential so i appreciate you guys recognizing that and having me so um this was awesome so thank you